Well, uh, Life in 3D, and that's the name of our uh, series this morning that we're going to start, Life in 3D. I just love that title, Life in 3D. Excuse me, what do I, what do I mean by Life in, in 3D? Well, uh, what I mean by Life in 3D is life the way it really is, not the way you want it to be or not the way you expected it to be, but real life. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Uh, the calendar, uh, Pete said that to me this morning, the calendar says spring, but the air temperature says winter. It was 29 degrees on my computer this morning in Smithtown. 29 degrees, that is not spring. Listen, uh, I understand that there is a district attorney in Ohio. I heard this on Fox News yesterday. I'm not kidding. He is indicting Punxsutawney Phil, you know, the groundhog, for fraud because he had predicted an early spring. It ain't here, you know. Uh, yesterday we had softball practice for a couple of hours, and I, I'm telling you, my pinky had frostbite, you know. Uh, it is cold, right? The, the first day, day of, of spring was the 20th, which was Wednesday. The 21st, I don't know if you noticed this, but we had snow most of the day, although it didn't accumulate a lot, but it did stick on some surfaces. So, so life in 3D is the difference between what is ideal and what is real. You know, it's the reality of the way things are. And as a result of that, listen... Listen, we all have to deal with disappointments. I'm disappointed it's not warmer, you know. Uh, there are some disappointments that we can easily get over. So we, we keep wearing the winter coat for a little bit longer. We throw another log on the fire, you know. And, and it's not a big deal. But, but there are some disappointments in life. That's the first D in our 3D experience. There are some disappointments in life that, that, that set us up for an atmosphere where, where we're led into then doubt and discouragement. So that's the, the 3D area that we're going to kind of cover this morning, and we're going to kind of look at that. My first experience uh, with disappointment, the, the big D, you know, uh, was probably when I was about seven years old. And I remember this very vividly because I was in the backseat of the car. Uh, the family was in the car. We were on our way home from grandmother's house. And there was a big bad wolf in the... No, this is a different story. We were on our way home from Grandma's house. And I remember this vividly. My Uncle Vinny comes over to the car, stops the car. We roll down the window. Now, by, by the way, I just thought about that. Roll down the window. You guys don't know what rolling down the window is. You used to have cranks on the cars, you know, and they roll down the window, not buttons that... But anyway, so my Uncle Vinny passes this, this beautiful little fluffy dog you know, and, and lays it right in my lap. You know, like what seven-year-old boy doesn't want a dog of his own, right? And all of a sudden, you know, I just like love at first sight, you know. My own dog, I just love this thing. And I, and I named him, I named him Teddy because to me he was like a soft, cuddly teddy bear, you know. And a seven-year-old, I mean, what, what better name is Teddy, you know, for a dog. And life was good in the hood back in Brooklyn for a seven-year-old boy, you know, uh, for two weeks. And somewhere at the end of two weeks, I woke up one morning, you know, I mean, I was so excited that whole, you know, two weeks to play with my dog. I woke up, I woke up one morning after about two weeks and, and mom and dad tell me that Teddy ran away. 
I said, what do you mean Teddy ran away? Teddy wouldn't run away. Teddy loves it here. He loves me. He, he would never run away. We got to go look for him. We got to make up posters. We got we to find Teddy. And, and they said, Teddy ran away, and, and it's impossible for us to find him. And I, 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 that was my first experience with disappointment. And really, just a broken heart as a seven-year-old, this, this precious little puppy ran away from home. Now, now, fast forward a couple of years when my parents figured that I was old enough to handle the truth, you know. I guess they saw that movie, you know, You Can't Handle the Truth. Well, they, they told me the real story. And the real story was we, we lived in a four-story brownstone apartment in Brooklyn. And we lived in the ground floor and we were renters, you know. Listen, I, I, I remember going upstairs and giving the rent to the, to the landlord, you know, $35 a week, I swear. 35 could you believe that, $35? I must be like 500 years old, right? No, I'm not that old, really. It was $35 a week. So anyway, she lived on the top floor, right? And, and this is what they told me. They said the, the landlady gave them an offer they couldn't refuse. They had to get rid of Teddy. Now, at that point, I don't know what was more painful to me, the thought and the idea that Teddy had run away or now the disillusionment and the doubt that filled my mind because of my parents. They lied to me. They lied to me. I, I started to say to myself, who are these people? You know, you know, when you're seven years old, you begin to think all, all kinds of things like, I must be adopted. These can't be my real parents. You know, gypsies must have sold me to these people, you know, because they would never lie to me, you know? And, and, and so discouragement and then, and then doubt just filled my heart. And, and just, you know, disappointment, just right over that whole scene. Now, 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 now wait a minute. It's not the end of the story. Fast forward now 17 years. I'm now 24 years old. And I am, I am now, listen, I, I am now the head of my own household. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. And now I knew that it was time for me to be healed of the trauma that took place in my childhood. Teddy's coming home. We're going to find Teddy. Now, now I, I knew that, you, you know, Teddy was probably long gone after 17 years, but, but, but I was going to fill that void in my heart. I was going to get my own dog. And listen, as an adult, 24-year-old, I was married, had a child of my own. I wanted a dog of my own. Now, now my, my ideal dog was an Irish setter. If you could just put that Irish setter up for us. I mean, that is a manly dog. That is a princely dog among dogs. I mean, Irish setter. I mean, I, I pictured myself, you know, playing Frisbee with my dog in Flushing Meadow Park and, you know, just, just taking it through the neighborhood. And this is the kind of dog that you can be proud of, right? So I'm in business at that time. I have a shop in Howard Beach, right? This is, this is before Christ. This is before coming to Jesus. And so, and so I, I find that there's a pet shop in Brooklyn, in Coney Island, right, that has an Irish setter, an adult Irish setter that's been trained, obedience school and all that stuff, and, and, and is for sale, and it's a great price. So I call up my wife, right? I say, honey, you got to get down to this store in Coney Island, this pet shop, and you got to buy me that dog. I want this dog. This is the dog I want. Please, honey, would you do that? So she packs up little Anthony, which is just a baby, in the back of the car, and she goes to the Bell Parkway. Now, listen, this is before the days of GPS, before the days of cell phones, you know, and 
and all that stuff. And so, and so she, she tracks all the way down to Coney Island. She finds the pet shop. She buys the dog. She brings it back to my shop in Howard Beach. I see the dog. I'm so excited. It's beautiful. It's big. It's, it's a manly dog. It's the kind of dog I'd be proud of, you know? And the dog's excited. I'm excited. And, 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 and she takes the dog home. Or maybe it kind of worked out where the dog kind of took her home because it was really a big dog. And, and she was having a hard time controlling it. So they, we, we, she takes it home to my apartment now in Queens, right? And we had kind of like a, it was almost like a railroad apartment. At least the first three rooms were like one room that led into another. And, and, so, and so the dog, right? I mean, he's just so happy to be in his new house. I mean, happy to be out of Coney Island. I mean, you would be happy to be out of Coney Island. Happy to be in his new environment. And so he begins running back and forth from one end of the house to the other. I mean, he's bumping into things, knocking things over. And at this point, Anthony's, you know, my little baby's starting to get frightened. My wife is starting to get frightened. The dog jumps over on the counter, you know, puts his paws up on the counter like, what's for dinner, you know? He goes over to the sink. And at that point, when, when he did this in the sink, like, what's to drink in the sink, you know? Kathy says, I, I had all I can stands and I can't stands no more. And so, and so she... She gets the dog, Anthony, and back in the car and back to Coney Island, right? I don't know anything that's going on, right? Here's the word that I told Kathy. I'm going to use a word I've never used before, unbeknownst to me. Isn't that an interesting one, unbeknownst? Unbeknownst means I'm going to be really surprised by what's going to happen next. Listen, so she goes back to Coney Island. She says, I can't handle the dog. The dog is crazy. Dog is wild. And, and they say, they say, sorry, we, we have a no refund policy. You know, this is, this is also back before the days of credit cards. You know, when you, people use money that's called cash, you know. And, and, and so th- we have no refunds. They say, but we, we will give you an exchange if you find a dog that, that's more handleable. Okay, so, okay, so here we go, right? Unbeknownst to me, I come home. It's about 6.30, 7 o'clock now. I come home. I, I just, I, I'm, I'm expecting to be greeted by my new manly dog. You know, the masters come home and the dogs come to lick my hand or, you know, whatever. And, and there's nothing. The house is quiet, you know? There's no dog. I said, where's Teddy? Where's Teddy? You know? And she says, honey, sit down. And then, and then I see some tears starting to roll down her eyes. I said, what's the matter? What's, what's going on? She says, we have to have a talk. And she begins to explain to me the running back and forth, the jumping on the sink, the, the being frightened by all this. And, and she says, and she says they, they wouldn't give me the money back. I brought the dog. I said, you brought the dog back? But they, they wouldn't give you the money back? No, they wouldn't give me the money back. But they did give me an exchange. She says, me, here, if you could put that up. Meet Frisky. <laughs> meet, meet Frisky, she says. Frisky? I want Teddy. I don't want Frisky. His name is Frisky because, listen, it's tattooed on his belly. His name is tattooed on his belly. I said, you bought me a used dog? I said, the first thing I thought of was I cannot be seen walking this dog in this neighborhood, they will kill me. You don't walk a dog in the hood, even in Queens, like this. You can write over that scene, disappointment. 
you could write over that scene, you know. And now I began to doubt. All, 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 of, my, all of my trauma from my childhood is coming back over me. Now, 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 listen, honestly, seriously, you know, this really is a part of our history. And, and I love my wife more than I love my need for man's best friend. You know, she's my, my best friend, you know. And, and, and there were some... There were some disappointments that we easily shake off, we easily get over, you know? But there are also some disappointments that can put us in this atmosphere, in this climate where we go, we go from being disappointed to being doubtful to becoming discouraged. And those are the serious ones, and, and you know about them. It's when somebody that you love gets sick. Right around, right around that time, we were just coming to Christ, and, and my father became gravely ill. We didn't know at the time, but he was ultimately diagnosed with lung cancer. And, and the problem was we, we were watching him suffer. His lungs were filling up with fluid. He was having a hard time breathing. And we were new in, in, to faith, and we were new to the things of God. And, and so we, we were praying. We were praying God for a miracle. We were laying hold of God. In fact, one night, a number of us in the family, we, we were going to have like an all-night prayer time. And, and, and different couples in the family, we took, we took a couple of hours here, a couple of hours here, so that we would pray through the whole night and lay hold of God and, 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 and see a miracle come to pass. They tried to drain the fluid out of his lungs. Instead of getting better, he got worse. He's now on a respirator in the hospital. He can't speak. He's got a tracheotomy. And, and, and I'm watching my dad. I'm watching my dad die. And, and listen, he, he was too young to die, and I was too young to lose a father in my early 20s. And you know what? Just right over that scene, disappointment. And then doubt. You begin to doubt, does this, does this thing really work? You know, it, can, can we really lay hold of God on behalf of our loved ones? And then the disappointments set in. But listen, we don't have to live there. See, living in 3D is not where you want to live. And, and, and I, I just want to say this, if, if you're here today for the first time and, and you're, you're new to faith or you're on the outside maybe looking in or you're not quite there yet, I just want you to know that we're really glad that you're here and uh, we want to serve you and assist you in any way that we possibly can. If you've got questions, if you've got doubts of your own, we understand that and uh, we want to help you through that. If you don't have a Bible, we'd like to give you a Bible today before you leave today and pray with you if you'd like prayer. But I just want you to know that, that even though we are people of faith, you see, the difference is, is that we're a group of people in, in, in which God's done some awesome things in our lives. And, and, and we want you to know that what God has done for us, he can also do for you. But that doesn't exempt us from disappointments. It doesn't exempt us from struggling against doubts and discouragement, just like everybody else. And, and here's, the, here's the news. No matter where you are, whether you're in faith or you're not in faith, Everybody experiences disappointments. And the thing is, is that we all have got to learn how to navigate through the minefield of disappointments in this life so that we don't end up living life in 3D, living life discouraged and doubtful, that, that ultimately that doesn't destroy us, that we can process that, that we can come through. Actually, we can come through stronger as a result 
of having gone through even difficult times. So I want to share with you this morning, this is the direction in which we're going today. And uh, i just be honest with you this morning. Uh, doubts are not, are not the worst thing in the world that can happen. In fact, if there's no room for doubt, then there's no room for belief as well. And, and I, I want to share that with you this morning. Listen, life is filled with disappointments. There is an atmosphere that is created when we become disappointed and we become, we become doubtful and then, and then the process moves into discouragement. But listen, I want to tell you about a relative of Jesus this morning. If, if, if this is something that maybe you can relate to, you can say, you know what? Uh, I, I've, I've been disappointed, you know? Uh, some of those great disappointments are, you know, things like we never planned for. You never plan for a divorce. You never plan on getting sick. You never plan on losing your job. You never, you never plan on, on not getting the grade that you need to graduate. You, I mean, there are so many things and there are so many factors that enter into the disappointments, the, the, the inability to be recognized for the good work that you're doing on your job and somebody else gets the recognition. Or just, you could, you could name a, a 10,000 different reasons why sometimes life just smacks us with disappointment. And, and the serious ones that we are talking about this morning. But, but I want to talk to you about a relative of Jesus. He's a few months older than Jesus. In fact, he's a cousin of Jesus. He would be known as John, and, and he would also be known distinctively as John the Baptist because that's one of the things that he was doing. Uh, he was baptizing people out in the desert because God called him to do that. God called him to be the forerunner of the Son of God, to be the, the spokesman who would introduce Jesus to the nation as the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. And John was this unusual character. He's, he's really one of the, 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 the last Old Testament prophets that the Bible uh, spoke about. In fact, his life is even prophesied about. And John was this kind of wild and crazy guy. You know, uh, John was uh, dressed in camel's hair. He ate uh, locusts and wild honey. You know, I mean, I picture John with this long beard. He, he might look like one of these three guys from... Uh, you know this, uh, Duck Dynasty, you know, maybe like the guy, the second one from the left, maybe, you know, or, or, the, or the guy, or any one of those guys. Now, I can picture John looking just like one of those guys, just a wild and crazy guy, right? And he would, he would be preaching out in the desert, out in the wilderness, and people would be coming. See, John himself was a miracle that people would go into the harsh area of the desert to hear John preach. And John would be preaching about the one who was coming. And he would say something like, like uh, there's one coming after me of whose straps I'm not worthy to, to, to loose on his shoes. And, and I baptize with water, but there's one coming after me who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And uh, speaks about the, this, this Messiah who was coming. Get ready because the kingdom of God is at hand, right? So, so, so this is the background for this person, John. Now the day comes 
when Jesus himself now steps into the water to be baptized, right? And suddenly, everything that John was foretold, which would be the sign that this would be the identification of the Messiah, now begins to happen. He sees the heavens part or the heavens open and he hears the audible voice of God say, this is my beloved son. He sees the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove descending and lighting upon Jesus. I mean, what an exhilarating, could you imagine if you had a vision like this of an open heaven and the voice of the audible voice of God? What, how, just imagine how excited and, and, and energized and thrilled John must have been at that experience. But let me tell you this, mountaintop experiences in our life oftentimes set us up for disappointments because because of two things, because of negative circumstances sometimes that we find ourselves in or because things just don't work out the way we think they should. Now, here's the problem. And we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about John. You see, John is going to, we're going to find John living in, living life in 3D. He is disappointed. He is doubtful and he is discouraged. And we're going to look at that in just a couple of minutes. But, but here's the, here's the point is that if that could happen to somebody in like John's character of John's calling, if, if, that, if this can happen to somebody, you know, like John the Baptist, then, then, then what about us? Then certainly disappointment and doubt and discouragement can happen to any single one of us in this life, but we don't have to stay there. And let me just touch on this thing about doubt for one more minute. You know, doubt is not a horrible thing in and of itself. There's a world of difference between doubt and unbelief. Doubt may be asking sincere questions that, that kind of become a catalyst to stronger faith. And it's okay to ask questions. God does, is not angry at us for asking questions. You see, but unbelief, on the other hand, unbelief is the willingness or the willfulness not to trust God. And there's a world of difference, you know? If there's no, listen, if there's no room for doubt, then there's no room for genuine faith. And so God understands that. I, I love this quote from Phil, Philip Yancey. Listen to this. He says, I am so impressed that the Bible includes so many examples of doubt. Evidently, he says, God has more tolerance of doubt than most churches. I want to encourage those who doubt and encourage the church to be a place that rewards rather than punishes honesty. And really, that's the kind of atmosphere that we want to be here. We don't want to punish people who have questions. We want to help answer those questions. Now, we don't have all the answers, but we know who does have all the answers. But we also know that he, we may not get all the answers in this lifetime. And that's where faith comes in. And the ability to trust in the character of God, who is, of course, worthy of our trust. Now, the good news is that even for somebody like John, who finds himself in this three-life, you know, 3D-dimensional life, that God never stops loving John. God never stops loving John when he's in the wilderness doing the will of God and, and preaching and baptizing people. And God doesn't stop loving John even when John is filled with doubt and disappointment and discouragement, as we're going to see in just a couple of minutes. But we pick up in the story now in the Gospel of Matthew. And, and 
there were four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Matthew was once a tax collector. He, he, he once made his living out of collecting money from his own people, the Jewish people, and being able to, to give those taxes to the Roman Empire. And one day Jesus is passing by and he sees Matthew and he says, Matthew, follow me. And Matthew, the Bible says, immediately left that life behind and began to become a follower of Jesus. And I tell you what, that would be a wonderful thing for so many of you here this morning who maybe have never made that decision. I hope by the end of this service today, you'll hear Jesus say the same thing to you. Follow me, become a follower of me. What have you got to lose? Listen, you have everything to gain. I tell you what, in the years that I've been serving the Lord now, I have not one single hour, not one single day where I've regretted not becoming a follower of Jesus. So we're going to pick up in Matthew chapter 11, verse 1. And it says this. Now, it came to pass that when Jesus finished instructing his 12 disciples, that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their city. So Jesus is in the midst of his campaign. He is he's teaching, he's declaring the gospel, he's, he's meeting people, he, he's, he's doing the works of, of God. It says in verse two, and when John, Don John the Baptist, had heard in prison about the works or the deeds of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, this is the question that John was on his mind. Are you the coming one? Or do we look for another? What's John saying in that verse? He's saying, was I wrong? You know, did I make a mistake? You know, I mean, listen, the open vision, the audible voice of God. John, how could you be so doubtful about this because, because of circumstances. Right now, John is in prison. This guy who lived his life out in the open air, who, who lived a celibate life, who lived a rough life out in the desert, is now confined to a cell in a dungeon. And weeks have turned into months. And it doesn't look like he's getting out of jail anytime soon. In fact, it, it, it is not even on the calendar of Jesus. He introduced Jesus as the Messiah, the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world, he must have felt like I've been abandoned. I, you know, I, I, I've been doing the will of God and it's for righteousness sake that now I, 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 I land in jail. And because John was a preacher of truth, Herod has him arrested, put in jail. And now John, listen, is disappointed. He's disappointed in Jesus. He's disappointed in the way things are going. And now doubt fills his mind and discouragement as well. Then it says this in verse four. Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things which you hear and see. This is the message that Jesus says, go back now and tell John the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them and blessed is he who was not offended because of me. That encrypted message there, just for that last sentence there, and blessed is the man, blessed is the woman who does not stumble because of me, because of what I do or because of what I don't do, who is not offended. The word offended there is a word from which we get the word scandal or scandalized. 
And Jesus is saying, blessed is the man, listen, who is not disappointed, who is not discouraged, who is not stumbling because of me. And was shortly after, John had announced that Jesus was the Messiah, that John is put in prison. And again, weeks turn into months and it doesn't look like John's getting out. And John, because of circumstances, begins to become discouraged and disappointed. Listen, I understand that. It happens to us. When, when, when we become disappointed, when the relationship that we thought would last forever falls apart, when the one that promised that they would love us forever, you know, betrays us, or mention a dozen other reasons why really life sometimes is so difficult and we experience stuff like this. Listen, I, I, I don't think John was afraid of dying. I really don't think that John was concerned about life and death as far as that was concerned. Listen, I'm not afraid of dying. In fact, I'm really looking forward to it, only not today. See, because I, I feel like I still have more work to do. And I think that that's what was in John's mind as well that John wasn't afraid of dying. He just felt like he wanted to be a part of something that was bigger than himself, that he wanted to be a part of ushering in the kingdom of God, of seeing the kingdom of God restored to Israel, of seeing Solomon's kingdom and David's kingdom being restored to a place where, where now Israel was a world power once again. And I believe that this was the area that was disappointing him. He ex had an expectation that was, that was wrong. He had a belief as, as, as well as so many other Jewish people at that time and an expectation of what the Messiah was gonna do, not realizing that Jesus had to first suffer and die, be buried and then raise again on the third day so that he can give men life and that more abundantly. Listen, that's what was on the agenda. That was on the calendar of God. That had to be done first. And you know what? John didn't get it as well as even the disciples that Jesus told plainly. They didn't get it when Jesus said, the son of man must suffer and then die, but rise again the third day. They still didn't get it because it was hid from them. One of the other reasons why we sometimes enter into this cycle of the 3D lifestyle is because we have, we have uh, misunderstandings. We, we misunderstand the purpose of God. We misunderstand God's plan for our life. And what that does is it sets us up to begin to doubt the love of God or begin to doubt the wisdom of God or begin to doubt God's plan for my life. I didn't see myself here in prison, John could have said. I don't see, I, I see, listen, I see, I see myself introducing the Messiah and then the Messiah gathers up a political you know, force and army, and we take over the kingdom and we kick the Romans out of, out of Israel and, and we, we establish the kingdom. But it wasn't happening the way John had expected or the way any of the Israelites had expected, that Jesus had to first suffer and die and then enter into his glory. Listen, maybe life wasn't working out for you or it's not working out for you the way that you planned. Like I said, nobody plans on getting a divorce. Nobody plans on getting sick. Nobody plans on losing a job. Nobody, nobody plans on making an investment only for it to go bankrupt. But life happens and, and, and stuff happens to us. 
but we don't have to live there. We don't have to stay there. John must have thought, man, I've been abandoned. And so the message, you see, let me just, let me just say this. Some commentators, and, and, and I even have a change of, of point of view. Some commentators say that John really wasn't doubtful. That they don't want to malign the character of John. But they, they misunderstand this whole thing about doubt, this tension about doubt. Because doubt can become a catalyst for greater faith. But, but one of the things I want you to see is that, is that some commentators say that John was really only interested in the welfare of his disciples. And so he was sending his disciples to see what Jesus was doing. The scripture, it, the text does not bear that out. In fact, the text bears out the very opposite because of what Jesus says. And Jesus says, blessed are those who are not offended because of me. What Jesus was doing was sending John this message. Listen, John, don't be discouraged because of what, I've do, what, I've do, what I'm doing or what I'm not doing on your behalf. You see, it's so interesting that the thing that Jesus said and the things that they saw and observed were the very authentication of the ministry of Jesus. Jesus literally quotes from two ancient texts from Isaiah the prophet written about 700 years before that authenticate the ministry of Jesus in Isaiah 35 and verse and also uh, chapter 61. The very things that Jesus was doing was the very things that a prophet had foretold that the Messiah would do 750 years before. And so what Jesus is doing is he's pointing, he's pointing John to the reality of what he was doing you know, so many times in our, in our lives, and, and this is where it, where it really is important for us to get a handle on this, so many times we look and, and we look at the things that God has not done for us instead of the things that God has done for us. We focus and we fix on the one thing. And, and, and let, me just, let me just give you some, some good advice. Whether you're a follower of Jesus this morning or you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, this is just practical helpful information even for you. Let me say what you need to do. You need to step back. Step back. Look away from your disappointments. I'll tell you what. If you got a piece of paper and you wrote down disappointments on one side and things to be thankful for on the other side, I have a feeling that the one side of your paper where you have many, many things to be thankful for far outweigh the things that you've been disappointed about. And so sometimes we need to just step back and take a look at what God is doing. And you know what? That's what Jesus is saying to him. John, take a look at what I am doing. The dead are being raised again. The blind are seeing. The, the lame are walking. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. Don't focus in on what I'm not doing. You know what Jesus omitted from Isaiah 61? The opening of prison doors. The setting free of captives. You see, God was doing things, but he wasn't doing everything, but he will do everything in its time. And we need to know that. And we need to trust in him. And let me just say this. Here is the advice that Jesus gives to John. And it's good advice to us. Let me tell you what the antidote for doubt and discouragement is. It's Jesus himself. He's saying, look to me. John, let your gaze be upon me. Fix your eyes on me. And I tell you what, whenever we take our eyes off of our discouragements, our disappointments, and we fix our eyes on Jesus, we, we discover, let me say, we discover the one who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. 
the one who is the maker of all things. It's really simple. It's not complicated. See, I kind of figure it this way. Listen, if somebody can predict his own manner of death, crucifixion, and then also predict that on the third day that he's going to rise again from the dead, listen, and he pulls it off in grand style before many, many witnesses, at one point before 500 witnesses, I I think that that's a person that deserves, listen, some influence. It's a person that deserves for me to take a good listen to because, listen, because Jesus conquered sin and death. Therefore, because of that, he is the antidote for all doubts and for all discouragements and for all disappointments. And it really is quite simple. So even if you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, there's, there's something really to gain. Just step back and take a look at what God has done for you. Look at the blessings that are in your life. I'm sure that there are more than you can even count. This whole idea of living life in 3D, the, the, the three dimensions of, of dis, disappointment, discouragement, and doubt, we, we don't have to live there. The good news is, is that God has an application. He has an app for us. And you know, sometimes it's not just the things that disappoint us or the people that disappoint us. Sometimes it's us that we disappoint ourselves. Sometimes we begin to doubt ourselves. And sometimes that leads us to being discouraged. But you know what? God has an app for that. And the app that he has for that is forgiveness and acceptance, and love. That he will receive and forgive and accept anyone that will come unto God through Christ Jesus. He is able, the Bible says, to save unto the uttermost everyone that comes unto God through him. You see, there's something awesome and there's something great about being able to gaze and to look to Jesus. Something happens. Eyes begin to be opened, not not these eyes necessarily, but the eyes of faith. Because the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The foundation of our relationship with God, the foundation of most of the people in this room is that they've been loved, accepted, and forgiven. And therefore, that's the foundation of being able to overcome disappointments and doubts and and discouragement in this life. Uh, one of the areas that, that, that I'm, I'm talking about of, of, of just focusing in on the wrong things, l- listen to this. On December 17, 1903, uh, the Wright brothers uh, took off in flight, became the fathers of, of Martin Aviation, right? They sent a telegram home to their sister, and this is what the telegram read, sustained flight for 59 seconds, hope to be home for Christmas. Their sister was so excited about the news, she went down with the telegram to the local paper in Ohio, Dayton, Ohio, and she gave them the telegram. They published, listen to what they published. They published this on the back page of the newspaper. Popular bicycle mechanics to be home for Christmas. They said nothing about flight for 59 seconds. In other words, here's the point, that we can miss the extraordinary because of the ordinary. Don't miss the great things that are taking place in your life because of one or two disappointments 
That's, to me, that's an ordinary life. But God has an extraordinary desire and purpose for you. Let me tell you what that is, that you find love and acceptance in Jesus Christ. Let's pray this together. Father, I just lift up the house this morning, those that are here today, Father, that you would speak to and bless and you would encourage and you would fill, oh God, with grace and mercy today as we exercise the spiritual principle of fixing our eyes on Jesus. We want to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith this morning. I pray, Lord God, for encouragement, that, that your answer, Lord God, the, the antidote for, for doubt and discouragement is Jesus himself. And I pray that we would, we would see Jesus today, that we'd see him here in the sanctuary, that we would see him through the eyes of faith, that we would see him through the testimony of those that may have invited us to church today, that we would see him in the reality of one who has conquered sin and death and has come back from the grave, that evidence that's irrefutable, that, that evidence that is the, the greatest documented fact in human history, that Jesus is alive and all power and authority has been given to him. I pray that that truth would shape our lives, that that truth would so fix our hearts this morning that no matter what we've experienced, no matter what seems to be disappointing or discouraging to us, that that there would be a faith that would rise up, that would conquer that, that we would become conquerors just as you are a conqueror. Let's all stand together as we worship him.